You're listening to the Geekscape Network. Time to fire up the VCR. This one's my favorite. Analog Jones in the Temple of Film. I'm Steve. And I'm Matt. And we're back for our Amniville franchise review. And we got past the first one, the iconic one. Now we're moving into Amniville 2, The Possession. The night of February 5th, 1976, George and Kathleen Lutz and their three children fled their home in Amityville, New York and never returned. For them, the horror was over. Their living nightmare shocked audiences around the world in the Amityville horror. But before them, another family lived in this house and were caught by the original evil. The Lutzes escaped with their lives, but the previous owners weren't so lucky. Bless our new home and watch over us as we become a part of this. For the Montelli family, it was their dream house until it turned into a nightmare. Who's there? What was in this house? What evil could drive their son to madness and destroy everything and everyone he loved? Amityville 2, The Possession. We've got another guest. No, wait, the same guest. She's back. It's Ashley. Hey, guys, what's up? She's holding our hands through this because we get scared. (laughs) It's so true. The boys, they just need guidance. She's bringing a perspective of a reader. (laughs) She knows some shit. A reader who has not read a single Amityville book, but now I am determined to. Shh, you know everything. You're our guide. (laughs) Okay, so... This film is something, isn't it? Uh, yeah, like I don't even know where this conversation is going to go because <laughs> of how bananas. I've never seen this movie. Yeah, I think one of the the interesting things about me wanting to jump into this Amityville series was that I hadn't seen a few of these and this was one of them. So I was pretty interested in getting in into this one because I had never seen it before, ever. And I, I kind of heard of it. I kind of knew what it was, but I never saw it. I didn't know what to expect and... I mean, even what I did expect, it, it's still d- different from that, even. Like, it was just a wild movie, I feel like. Literally, Matt was trying to tell me, like, what this movie was about. And as we were watching it, we're like, is it about that? <laughs> but it, Because it is, but it isn't. Because it is kind of a prequel, but it isn't. Yeah, I said last time, prequel with air quotes. We'll get into that further into the film. Because it's just confusing. But I guess more looking at my history that I have never seen this either. Uh, But I heard people say like, oh, this is a good one. This is one of the better ones out of the sequels. I mean, I believe that. And I was like, okay. I looked it up. I saw it had Burt Young in it. You know, Polly from Rocky. I was like, well, he's a strong actor. Um, You know, we'll see what's up with this. It's got some 80s effects I heard in it. And I I was kind of like, all right, I think this is going to be pretty good. But then... I fucking stuck in the tape. 
and it's shit. <laughs> this this tape was so bad that I had to rent the film, which nothing pisses you off as a VH, VHS hound as much as the tape is so bad you can't enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, that's a heartbreaking, like, how many times has that happened to you on this podcast? <laughs> it's happened. It's happened. <laughs> oh, I mean, you guys have done hundreds of movies yeah. at this point. You guys have pretty extensive collections. Like, what a bummer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because just, you enjoy it so much. And that's just, heartbreaking. It just happens, man. It's one of those things with these VHSs. They're just so old. And you even said that this VHS you have is super fucking old. Yeah, this one's older than Amityville 1, which you did. That was an 86 VHS. This one's an 84. And the film came out what in 1982 three years after the first one Mm -hmm. 1982 this one came out yeah september 82 this one came out more in a fall feel so i mean they they went with that instead of you know putting out in july Mm -hmm. they did the first one but i feel in 82 we might have been a little bit more savvy on what to do with summer blockbusters and you know fall movies maybe we're getting a little bit better definitely weren't perfect but you know, there was some maturity. I'll I'll say it right off the bat before we even get started with the movie, but this one keeps the spoops tone. This one's still spooky. This one's still yeah. a good Halloween one. It's, you know, we'll get into the content of the movie and sort of how it's we feel the about the movie. It's the details that are muddled. <laughs> but, the, but the vibe is still spooky for this one. It is, but I have a word to describe it even more. Gross. <laughs> it's gross too oh dude there's a lot there's plenty of gross stuff uh for sure and i'm not talking about the gross like oh it's icky it's sticky no no i'm talking about like this family makes me feel gross, gross. we're talking about incest guys we're talking about incest no we're talking we're talking about family <laughs> abuse we're talking about incest we're talking about just everything that's inappropriate in a family dynamic yes that needs to cut it out <laughs> this movie represents like the shitty families that no one was doing anything about now i get it this film is supposed to be saying that the evil is is manipulating them and turning them but I say bullshit. Bullshit. This family sucked <laughs> right when they got on film. Yeah, I, you know, I don't think the incest would have been acted upon, but I think there was already an interest um, there. And the I think the shitty father was already a shitty father. So Literally, the movie starts. I'm getting into it. The, the movie, <laughs> I'm just so mad about this. <laughs> the movie starts. And whereas we were talking about for Amityville Horror, like the first one, when you meet the family, you meet George Lutz and his wife and his stepkids. Like, that is a functioning family unit. They are happy. The kids aren't scared all the fucking time. And they're a good relationship. And you see it unravel. This bag of garbage rolls up to this house. And the dad sucks. <laughs> the mom is an anxious nightmare. The fucking... Yeah, the two kids... There's just a sexual energy. And then even there, I felt like there was a sexual energy with the mom. Yeah. I just don't know. I'm like, these people are not a family. This is a series of strangers who are going to fuck each other. It's so uncomfortable the whole time. And I think that's the point. 
But still. <laughs> I don't think it's the point because then I don't care about these people because they're already like doing all of the bad stuff, you know? I guess, yeah. I guess I feel bad for the girl. We're going to talk about it more, I'm sure. But like, I guess I, I feel bad for the girl in the incest situation. But then she like... Uh, she's into it a little bit. Oh, yeah. but it's confusing because she's young. So you yeah. can't you can't blame. Oh, this oh, movie yeah. just gives you too many ickies. <laughs> Looking at the director, you know, the director was known for spaghetti westerns and let's destroy his name. Um, it is Demonio Dominia. I don't know. He's Italian. But I, I do want to say, what is up with Italian directors of incest? What is the deal? Some of it seems like a affront, like a attack on traditional I guess maybe American cinema where they just wanted to do something a little more taboo and push some buttons. Some of it feels like that. Some of it feels like they just want to do something gross. Weird gray area, I feel like. A lot of European directors also like are just, they, they stick it in. I, I don't know if it's like, because American, well, I guess, damn it. I think all the men who directed throughout time love to stick, you know, 70s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. Where they just stick rape in there as like a bad thing. Yeah. Uh, instant bad guy. Same thing with the, you know, the trope, the American trope of sticking in a Nazi as a bad guy. You know, it's like, mm -hmm. it's easy. I, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. And like what maybe Matt was saying is, I think they stick it in because it gets a reaction out of the audience. Well, think about like American cinema, like it's sex is taboo pretty much like in our culture sex has always been kind of like taboo in every way and so european directors their sex is not taboo but what would be taboo it's when sex is familial yeah or it's forbidden that, it, or they have to think of different ways to like make you uncomfortable because just sex for sex sake is not scandalous in european directors yes eyes. yes yeah I'm just hoping that, that a lot of these European, especially Italian directors, don't want to bang your sister because it's it's creepy. <laughs> well, apparently, isn't like Pornhub's number one thing uh, incest? Yeah, incest porn is all the rage. So apparently, what this is telling me is that society all over the world is repressing some weird urge to fuck your sister. Like, what is happening? Guys? <laughs> um, I'm sorry. Stop it. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't I don't know what that is. I don't have any sisters. Uh, I have cousins that are females. Uh, no, that shit has never run in my mind. It's never run in my mind with my mom either. It's like I've always heard these like bullshit that they have when we go for psychology. Yes, yes. The edible complex and stuff. The yeah. Oedipus complex. No, my mom is my mom. She's like my protector. I go to her when I you know now it's not so much financial protection. It's like. I don't know what I'm doing and I'm it's almost family 40. protection. Like there's a, it's a safety and like you want to be comfortable with your family. And like some people aren't comfortable with their family. And it could be a thing where um, those households where it's like the, the Oedipus complex is kind of there. Maybe there was like always an assumption that you would be thinking about that. They say that's wrong. And so then your brain starts thinking about it more. I just feel like that was something that was not even to be aware Addressed, of yeah, yeah. and so. so like when you're not anticipating like a child to be malicious when you're anticipating it you put that onto them you put it in their heads yeah yes it's like they don't they, why are they thinking that way <laughs> yeah I just, you want you wonder if they're like if they're coming from homes that are like hey 
don't fuck your sister and then they're like well fuck that's like now it's the only thing now I i'm do. thinking about it. <laughs> now i'm thinking but like about yeah it. when we grew up we just was never like a it's duh no it's never was well, we, were, about. we were lucky to grow up in households that don't have that strange energy like yeah. any kind of negative energy and sexual repressed energy and like a lack of an invitation to discuss things about the body and like making your body feel shameful and your thoughts feel shameful that's gonna spiral <laughs> yeah and that's how you get into taboo porn i feel like then, yeah you know because then it's well what wrong and then how far can i push it then yeah so i i, I don't know <laughs> in, the, in the long story i don't know <laughs> i don't know how we got here <laughs> oh i do an italian director stuck in a <laughs> oh i meant we as people oh. <laughs> <laughs> like we as human race i don't know how we got here fuck it's all like stepsister stepson bullshit that at least that's what I'm thinking it is, I may be wrong, because uh, at least there's, like, you shouldn't do that. But, hey, they're not actually related to you. Oh, my God. You literally said stepsister, and, like, I just started laughing in my brain because I love the Brady Bunch movie. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> like, yes. Marsha and Greg. Oh, yeah, that's oh, fucking hilarious. I love it. Oh, my God. Well, it's, like, <laughs> funny because it's so taboo that it's, like, funny, like, when you're doing that. But then when you put it in a movie like this, it's, like, oh, this is, like, bad. Yeah, it's icky here. It's funny in Brady Bunch. <laughs> yes. Exactly. <laughs> if you're looking for good incest content. <laughs> head that way. If you're looking go- for family incest, you know, where the whole family can sit down and enjoy it, go to the Brady Bunch. The Brady Bunch, because, like, you know what? It's not hurting anybody, and it's a spoof. <laughs> if you want incest that's going to make you uh, write in your uh, diary, then I, I have confusing thoughts. Come to possession. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. You know what I do love, though? Like, just... I mean, we're probably going to talk about the look of the case or whatever. At least the font. They have a similar thing with how the H... Has the has, has the, the tail. tail. The S's have tails this time. I will say props for that. <laughs> <I just laughs> Two tails, because it's the second movie. <laughs> yeah. There's a there's a graphic designer out there that's like, thank you. Thank you for noticing. You're welcome for the compliment. <laughs> So when we uh, we look at this tape, we've got our history of it. None of us has seen it until now. Yes. And I look at my tape and it pisses me off even more because it just has <laughs> Amityville 2, The Possession, and it has a centered block image with the, with the house. But here's the thing. It shows the house. It's kind of an eerie, you know, for sale. The, the windows are lit up from the inside like so much that you can't even see like what's going on inside it's 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 got that you know glowy scary look but the other half of the image is just black and there's a reason the poster had this super long tagline that's like a whole story that's basically like a plot description uh that they've just taken off on the vhs release from the from the theatrical poster yeah so suck it embassy home entertainment is your title or your Front here cover sucks, and I would never rent this. <laughs> I'm just, I'm angry. You can hear the anger. The tape was bad. There's no trailers. Just ruining that right now. Yeah, it's just shit. It's shit. The whole thing's shit. <laughs> <laughs> and then Steve's just not in the rest of the podcast. He just leaves. He's just like, you know what? <laughs> it's Fuck shit. It. <laughs> Fuck it. We're doing it live. Uh, and we're like, let's get to the fucking museum. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. Put <laughs> nothing in this bullshit. Uh, so flipping to the back here. This is another thing. So there is a sticker on there that says no rating. Okay. 
We've seen it before. Um, I'm pretty sure there's a rating to this, and it's R, so I don't yeah. quite understand that. Uh, yeah, because I'm looking at the movie poster right now, and it says R. I guess when it was released on VHS in 1984, this one, it they took the rating off. How does that work? In the early days of VHS, they may have had to re-rate it for the video release, and they probably just didn't fucking do it. <laughs> they were probably like, we're good. It came out in theaters. You already know what it is. doesn't matter. We're not going to resubmit. Well, the sticker is over the first word in the paragraph, and I have no idea what it is. <laughs> Let's figure it out together. It's It's got work in it. It has, all I see is E-W-O-R-K. Homework. <laughs> and then it says, for fright with no room for the timid. I have no clue. So two words, something, second word, E-W-O-R-K. I don't know how many letters are in the front. For fright with no room for the tomb. It's like a puzzle with no visual. So. <laughs> well, and I don't want to rip the sticker off because I think it will just destroy. Oh, it, yeah, you're gonna you're gonna take the paper with. Well, it. here's the thing: I don't think that that word is going to give you any insight into what the fuck this movie was supposed <laughs> to be about. This is also a movie that capitalizes Amityville throughout it, so it lets people know right away, like, oh, this is an Amityville film. <laughs> I, I don't know, but. It says Amityville 2 on the front. I know. <laughs> the mystery of Amityville continues in the suspenseful tale of the supernatural. Amityville 2 awakens your wildest fears when a dream house, dream in quotes, dream house becomes a nightmare. One lone family wages a life and death battle against the bizarre and terrifying demons that have come to possess not just their house. I'm sorry, not just their home. But their very lives. It's homemade horror all the way. Stars Burt Young and Ritanya Alda. Uh, 1983 color running time 110 minutes. It has two stills, both from the movie. One with the father reading the Bible in front of the house, and then we have the two little kids that no one knows the names of. All the <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting saucy. <laughs> Oh, yeah, dude. It's just funny because, like, I'm looking at a Blu-ray and I'm just, like, comparing and I'm like, the story is different in the marketing, I feel like. Yeah, we they're giving us in the marketing the story of the family, but we don't really know the story of the family. They just, the movie starts and they're moving into the house. We don't know them. Well, this specifically, I just want to say, like, this is going to be a conversation, I'm sure, throughout this thing. But this specifically, at the end, it, it, it like, sums up the original, like, the Lutz story mm-hmm. on the front cover of ours. And it says, but before them, another family lived in this house and were caught by the original evil. They weren't so lucky. This is their story. So that makes you think it's the DeFeo. Yeah, they're advertising it as a prequel then if they say that because that's the poster like yes. that's the that's the text from the poster so they're advertising it as a prequel yeah and this one says the right the you know the second line the mystery of amityville continues as if this is a sequel after so like what the fuck are they doing yeah well i don't think they know i don't think they commit either way it's like we're doing the defeo story but we're not going to call them the defeos and then we take it past the DeFeo story then also? So is there another family in between the DeFeos (laughs) and the Lutzes or is this before the DeFeos? Like, yeah, exactly. Like what is their, their, 
And we don't know because it, the, the house is just for sale and they just buy it. And we don't know They don't tell the us order their names. Or anything. They don't tell it. Well, they also aren't told about murders. So then that makes you believe that this is the first place where murders take place. Well, and you also have a good writer on this. So I feel like the marketing shouldn't have been that mixed. It should have been like, hey, you got a good writer. He did, you know, he worked on, he worked with um, Carpenter and Dark Star, Sultan, Precinct 13, Halloween, Fog before this. We've got a name to connect. You know, maybe you could say from the writer of Halloween. Right. Why don't you market it that way? Yeah, I mean. Because he didn't want it to be. Yeah, maybe he didn't really want to push that his name was on it because it didn't become the thing. Ooh, we should check. Do you, do you think he's credited? Yeah, it's he's on there. It says Tommy Lee Wallace on there. So he's in there. But yeah, they don't really play it up like, you know, from the creator of Halloween 3 comes Amityville the Possession. <laughs> and I mean, I think that like it, in a way, like, yeah, I'm going to be very hard on this movie. But like, yeah, I think it was a good spoopy, you know, like it, it had some spooky atmosphere. And also like it has... A lot of bold decision making in the filmmaking, like the cinematography, the angles, the shots. It's very artistic. This is just like the artistic inspired story of Amityville, I feel like. Yeah. Because it's a lot of like intense, like upside down shots and zooming in, right? That's this mm-hmm. movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I, I think like it had a vision. But I think like where it connects to the original story is just where it gets. Yeah, it's pretty so sloppy. It's pretty muddled. It's like, yeah, is this a prequel? Is this a sequel? Uh, I, I, I'll say too, like, I really liked the tone of the movie, like I mentioned at the beginning. But I, I feel like the vibe of it and the horror of it is pretty interesting. It's pretty hooked. It's just like there's like a 30 minute sag kind of in the second act that really like I think hurts the movie the most. Like it's like, yeah. It's gross, but like at least it's something. <laughs> and then and then then pretty much like I mean we're going to talk about the movies pretty much after the shooting, the movie just dies for a while. Mm. And then it's brought Cabana back in the last 5ish minutes, 5-10 minutes or whatever, but like that middle section after the murders is just like snoozeville. No, right when you get the police involved. Yeah. It, it's just it like just sags because you get about an hour in, you get the murders and I was like, "Wow, there's still 40 minutes left in this film." There shouldn't have been. There should have been 20 minutes. Too I'm long. I'm having a difficult time, like, off the top of my head. I'm sure, like, as we talk about it, I'll remember. But, like, I, I'm having a hard time remembering what happens in those spots. Where right. it's, like, it's too long. Yeah. I remember when I was, like, oh, well, all the cops are here. Is this done? Yeah. Like, we, I, I just, there was no, usually when you're, like, crafting a story, like, you kind of give your audience, like, an idea of where you are in the story. And that just didn't exist in this movie. Now, I think they had a hard time connecting the murder to the exorcism. They're like, how do we get here? Right. Yeah. It's like they really wanted to have those two movies and just couldn't find the glue to bond them. But like, it's it sucks because I feel like the Amityville side of the story works like the first hour where it is the DeFeo story basically works. And then like that last that last chunk feels almost kind of like Evil Daddy a little bit like mm-hmm. cameras moving around. The possession is, you know, it's. It's you see him sort of being taken by the ghost. And then like when he's all fucked up and demon looking, it's very evil daddy. Um, and it's a shame that sort of that middle glue that bonds those two movies is such a snooze. Yeah, it's yeah. OK, so well, I guess this is a perfect chance to pop in the tape and then we're going to start breaking it down. 
So here we go, feature presentation. And now, our feature presentation. Tony Burt comes out swinging. Literally, yeah, we've got a nice abusive father here. Classic. <laughs> a big classic yuck of a father. <laughs> I know, he's so gross. Hey, Dad, new car is fantastic. You should have seen it back there at the red light. There was this guy there stepping on the accelerator, right? So I put the pedal to the metal. Woo! You should have seen it. It was fantastic. I left the guy like mine. Where the hell were you? I told you to back up your mother. She knows the way. Don't be smart, boy. You're not too big for a whipping. Yeah, I know. You proved that to me. Okay. You know, you're pushing it. You're right on the edge. Dad, I just stopped at the corner for a pack of cigarettes. Stop your whining. You're going to be a man by smoking cigarettes. Now you're growing a little fuzz over here. Learn how to take some orders. And, and I, I guess they hired him for this because, you know, Solomon Rocky, he wins the Academy Award. I don't know how many jobs he was getting after this. I, I, I know nothing about his acting career. But, I mean, if you're going to take a role like this, I assume, one, you're, you're either getting, this is all you're getting offered, or two, you feel comfortable doing this role. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, I guess it's a good performance because, like, I cannot stand him and he's the worst. That's what I'm saying. Like, Burt Young made a choice here. It's like, is this going to be your career? <laughs> or is this the only thing you can get? It might be a typecast situation. It could be. And then, and then we've got the enabler mother, of course, that just, like, lets it all happen. And we've got uh, the teenage son who is standing in for Ronnie DeFeo, but is not Ronald DeFeo Jr. He's sunny in this. Yeah, and can I defend the mother just a little bit? Absolutely you can. <laughs> okay, so she's got a religious background where she can't leave. She doesn't believe in divorce. It isn't even an option. I know there are feminists that will look at this nowadays and say, like, you fucking leave that man. You'd be a strong, independent woman. It wasn't an option in her mind. Actually, like, I feel like as the movie goes on, she's finally reaching a breaking point because she's finally starting to threaten to leave. And he's like, you would never, you know, like he comes back at it swinging because like in the time it wasn't an option. But like this insanity has like caused her to actually do it. So, yeah, feminists could be like, no, she was doing the best with what she was working with. But I also think this was written by people in a more open culture i I look at this of people who live in the south the the bible belt i think they'll relate to that more because that's not an option for a lot of them maybe nowadays clearly but it's still not an option in some in some households and everything it's just still not the horror behind the horror i guess you could say is like this is why I hate movies like this um, <laughs> with abuse of women in uh, marriages that they can't leave back in the day and stuff because it's more real. And this is what makes this movie even more gross than the incest. At least the incest was a choice. Sure, it was young by a young man and a young woman who are fucking dumb and they don't really understand. I think that he understood and she didn't. Yeah. At first. And and also he's coercing her kind of by complimenting her. It, it's like a manipulation. There's a lot of manipulation in this movie, like with every character. I completely agree. I was more like overlooking that to get, you know, more to the mom and dad thing. Oh, for sure. For sure. It, it's just like, uh, that's why I find that obviously the incest is gross. That's like the, <laughs> the most like top level grossness you can get. In this, but that I, I think you know the abuse of the family from the 
Okay, let's see. The woman's called the matriarch. What is the man called? Patriarch. Is it patriarch? Yeah, it's like a patriarchy. Oh, okay. So it's just as obvious as I thought. <laughs> I think so, yeah. Okay, I just feel like that one more hits to home. Well, it's too, it's too real. It's what you're, you know, like incest happens. Yeah, but it's more fabricated in this movie. It's more of like a set piece for this movie. It's gross, but it's a set piece. Uh, abusive relationships is just way too real. That's what I was trying to get to. Is like it, it's so rampant in, and I'm not. I'm sure it's more rampant in, in other cultures too. It's not just American cultures, but we live in that culture. Now, hopefully, you know, none of that happened in your families. But what I'm saying is, like, we've heard the stories of America, and especially its past, where people are just abused and they they feel no power to get out, and she doesn't even have a job. She's stay at home mom. Oh, that, it it fucking, it it just made my brain fly off the hinge. I think that's, like, such a good point, though, that, like, nowadays when we watch these movies and stuff, we do get mad. And that's a good sign because it's, like, this is a story about something and a way of life that was that does not fit into our mental, like, comprehension anymore. We have evolved past that, well, yeah, you know, um, most of us. <laughs> I know what you mean. I know what you mean. <laughs> oh, nudge, nudge, wink, wink. It's it's so difficult to watch because like what the two little kids were present during like a haunting moment. I can't remember what happened. And then the dad comes in and beats their ass. Anthony, you can't do that. You can't do that to the kids. No. But Anthony, Daddy, don't. the crushes. We didn't do it. Mark, you think that's funny? You can't even cry. What about her? Don't touch her. Don't touch her. Fucking cut your own in this house. Get out of my way. I just love the pig that they draw. The ghost is a is a haunting artist. I will say that. <laughs> yeah, actually, it was like a really cool like graphic moment to yeah. like leave a threatening message on the wall. I feel like that that drawing is like of the thing we saw in the first one. So I feel like there is that connection between the two with with that drawing. Because uh, yeah, because the demon we see at the end of the movie looks more like the demon in three, but the drawing on the wall looks more like the demon in one. So I, I think it's a nice connective thing. This is where I really started to draw the line of how much I hate the director. And let me explain to you why. Uh, I, I started to do some heavy research on this one of the director. I saw an interview. The director was trying to explain that, like, you know, he wanted to take a family that had everything going for it and show how demons could make everything perverse. What? How, at what point was this family good? Like, yeah, what did they have going for them beyond getting a new home? Is that what he's saying? Like, the opportunity of a new home? I don't know, but th- this director was clearly... He's an <laughs> asshole. He was a fucking asshole. Because... He, he definitely talked down the woman take care of the family. Basically, it came down to a woman should take care of their family in this interview. And I was like, oh, you're this fucking guy. Yeah, it's like um, an abusive, like, apologizer. You know, he said, like, the family was doing good beforehand. I go, so apparently being an abusive, authoritarian husband is fine. That was That was fine in his book. So at what point was the fam is beating your kids and treating them like shit fine? He's the man of the house. He can do whatever he wants. And yeah, this isn't like a demon making him do this. Literally, the one of the first things that comes out of his mouth in the movie is like <laughs> a threat 
he's like, oh, well, just remember, I can still beat your ass. Yeah, or basically. For yes. And it's just like, I love this, like, just, it's a trope now, but it's like, I've seen this in like real life. It's just nauseating how like a father figure, instead of like, having any small talk or kindness or anything or even just neutralness they always have to say things that are aggressive and like making you fear them and i'm just like that is so over like it's disgusting well the, the he makes this when the the priest comes over and stuff he makes like the little yes. kids say sir to him and stuff that's like these kids aren't living life they're not, you know, they're they're basically being raised in boot camp here, and it's terrifying also, for a little was, kid. Also, he didn't want the priest there at all. He was so disrespectful because another man who yes. the woman was, like, thanking and being right. thankful for, the husband gets uh, subcon- or like yeah, self-conscious, and he's like, I'm the only one who should be taking care of this fucking family. Don't you lie to me! Please, don't hit the child. <laughs> Mr. Ed, this isn't your business, see that? I raise my children where I see fit. Now you do what you gotta do and go! Kind of makes you feel good that he gets fucking blown away halfway through this movie. <laughs> yeah, but then sadly everyone else does. So, But I, I agree with you. Like, when he gets shot, which I think was off camera, which pissed me off. Yeah, I know. I wanted to see the, the torture. It's true. You want to see that guy get fucking blown away. And this is also a script where they had a rape in there of of she was raped before the, the shooting. And it's what really sets off the kid other than the demon possession. But, uh, so the actress who played the, the daughter. Diane oh, Freeman, yes, yes, yes. Yes. So she's a little bit more jaded on this where one, she hated her eyebrows. She makes sure to bring that up multiple times. <laughs> uh, and yeah, they should have been uh I don't know, someone, there's no one around to pluck these? Hey, preteens are like raging hormones. I was a girl back then. Like, you don't know what the fuck is going and, on. <laughs> and we're talking 1982 also. Everything's pretty unnatural at that time. Yeah, well, the actress is like, I can't believe no one plucked my eyebrows. It's like, she struggles to view it. But yeah, she's got an interview on YouTube where she's not, she doesn't really want to ever watch this film again. Yeah, I think, well, I mean, from her character's point of view, obviously a lot different than the mother's character point of view. And she was a young person at the time doing these extreme, like, <laughs> incestuous things. She literally just turned 18 years old. Gross. It's almost weird, though, like, actually about the eyebrow plucking. That's just, like, an interesting thing because, like, I guess in lines of, I mean, it's a topical thing, like, pedophilia and everything. There's something about, like, a young girl having hair grow in and, like, stuff like that where it's almost, like, sexualized in that way where it's, like, that's a youth becoming a woman. Ew. And I'm sorry to bring this up. So sorry. <laughs> I just want everybody to, like, think about it sometimes. It's like, hmm, why are things discussed like that? It's because they sexualize the hair on women. That's why you want them to, to shave and everything. And I don't know. Everything's so sexualized and gross. <laughs> So that was probably something that was ingrained in the actress. It is ingrained in everyone. It's ingrained, yeah. It's ingrained in society. Mostly, you know, she talked about, like, she had just turned 17. They were filming in Mexico City. They wanted to know if she'd show her breast. And, you know, she was becoming a young 
actress at that time, and maybe she's just like, I'll do anything to get into a serious role. I There's no facts on this. This is me looking into a situation and being like, yeah, young girls, like, have, fuck it, I'll show my boobs. Just, I don't care. I see my boobs every day. I'll put them in a movie. And not realizing that she's really being groomed for a a industry that that promotes or and, and like encourages nudity and sexuality and yeah that's just especially at this time like <laughs> like i have no problem with someone showing their body on their choice i just feel like an 18 year old who was 17 when they tried out for this something feels really off and when i watched it i felt disgusting yeah and well and she is portrayed like i feel like so much younger I know, she's portrayed like she's 14, I think. Yeah, there is an age difference because they keep mentioning it. They keep saying, like, I'm only this much younger than you, you know? Like, we used to take baths all the time together and, like, all this stuff, and then now there's this switch. Yeah, I I think, yeah, because I do think she's, he's 18 and she says four years apart. So I think, yeah, she's 14. I think that's the math on that. I think in real life, he was moving out of the house, the DeFeo family. I think he had actually moved out of the house and she was 14. So I don't know if any of that actually happens in, I've never read the book. Yeah. I need to read the book because like, I don't know if like this incestuous thing was just like a decision of the script or if it was based solely on the source material of the DeFeo family, because here's the thing, this may not be this. Yeah. It never they say it's, it's the DeFeo family, but they don't say it's the DeFeo. Family. Right. It's like the same concept where they get shot and the whole family gets killed and by the, you know, eldest kid or whatever Who looks nothing like james brolin yeah by the way which they like mentioned so hard in the first one and don't even care to bother in the second one if it's a prequel at all we don't even know the house is for sale they buy it and that's it but like we don't fucking know dvd or the fucking posters go to tell you it is right but it's it's, it's never addressed it's never addressed so we don't even know where this falls in this timeline they're not even named defeo and yeah and, the, and then we cover that whole story in the first hour Yes. It's very weird. Very weird. My biggest problem with this uh, movie is it's two different stories. I think it's like five different stories <laughs> because it's an investigative story. It's a religious story. It's a family story. It's an abuse story. It's, uh, yeah, it's an incest story. Yeah, and it's a haunting. It's demons. Possessions, it's, exorcisms. There's so many. There's too much going on because, like, we haven't even touched that, like, yes, there are priests in this. Yes, there's, like, a whole... And then the whole section after he kills him is all with the cops in him. It's an investigation. And so I, I got so frustrated because I love police procedurals. Like, I'm, I'm so for it. And I'm like, what a fun idea to take Amityville and turn it, like, split it. You do the first story in the half or whatever, and then you turn it into an investigation. What is going on? Like, how exciting would that be? But, like, the investigation couldn't go anywhere because there were too many other plot lines. Yeah, like, this could have easily taken the, like, uh, exorcism of Emily Rose route, yes. where it's, like, half exorcism, half courtroom drama. This could have been half the Amityville prequel and half how the cops deal with it after. And, and if you want to exercise the guy at the end, too, that's fine. But, like, yeah, this movie just didn't, it just didn't finish kind of, it finished the one story, but then didn't really finish either of the other stories very well. This reminds me of something that could be good in a series, uh, maybe 12, 14 episodes or something in Netflix or Amazon Prime. That's fine to take like something that starts somewhere and goes somewhere else because you have time. Yes. This, you don't have any time. And I think this is a real problem with these films that are trying to portray a book. 
mm-hmm. where the book is covering so much. You can't cover four or five hundred pages like a book does. It's just not possible. And that's why you get like stuff like Game of Thrones that fails. Sure, the first couple seasons do fantastic and everyone becomes addicted to it. But then the end, the second half of the whole series, you're like, the fuck is this? Trying to take on too much. Yeah, there is just too much unanswered. And it's like some things don't have to be answered, but don't put so much stock in them if they're not going to pay off. It's like you can have small things mentioned here and there, but like don't fully explore it if you're not going to pay off the end. Well, that's where good producers and good overhead writers, editors come in, where they have the ability to lop off the shit that shouldn't be in. Yeah, and I I think that procedural section of this movie needed to be cut out because that's the weakest part. It drags, you know, and there's stuff that could be cut out, don't get me wrong, everywhere, but like... That like that part, it just doesn't have any satisfying anything. Whereas like, I think the priest go- going blind could be cut out. Oh yeah, there's other <laughs> stuff too. But it's like, but it, like at the end, you get the exorcism. At the beginning, you get the DeFeo thing. That's fine. That's all. Those are the complete stories. Like I just don't need the rest. Was uh, yeah, the priest goes blind, but also the whole detective thing that just goes nowhere. I'm like, uh, okay, why do we need to put that in? I know it's in the book. It's like, make his voice be a main character voice or don't have him at all. Because when it was introduced, I was like, okay, here we go. Like, let's get into procedure. And then it just like, it falters. It doesn't stand on its own. Uh, Yeah, it's just like a frustrating movie. It's not like I didn't have a fun time. I was high when I watched this. Uh, of (laughs) Of course. So like the thing I enjoyed up here, I'll give like a moment of stuff I enjoyed. I kind of was down for the cinematography. It was artsy and weird. And it kind of did feel like an Italian movie. I like the vibe. I like the tone, I guess. I like the spookies. It feels very Halloween-y. But it never landed. But yeah, it just doesn't stick the landing. There was a portion of like, okay, let's say before all the incest stuff, there was like a like a 15 minute sequence where then like you could tell like they were really trying to hit home that they are being influenced by the the entity in the house and stuff like that. And there's just like a lot of camera work that I'm like, okay, they're doing a specific thing. They're working on it. But then that's when all of the story opens up and spirals and like it just never gets back on that consistent tone. It's like a bunch of different other tones at the same time. Because what am I supposed to be fucking feeling? I was thinking about this too. Is like this feels like too many cooks in the kitchen in this. Yes. Where it's not quite weird enough to be a great Italian horror film. Us three, I know, especially Matt and I have seen some very fucked up perverse Italian horror films <laughs> that you can't forget because you're like, what the fuck? Yeah, I usually don't love them, but like they're memorable. Yeah, exactly. You and I have definitely seen one together that Matt showed us. Um, incest. Uh, <laughs> what was that? A little kid that was uh, sucking on a mama's boob. Oh, Burial Ground that I showed at the movie night. Oh, that's Italian, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Italians, you know, they do some crazy shit. <laughs> they do. Uh, especially the incest. And that was, the burial grounds, one of the most, holy shit, what just happened. Watching the group, folks, trust me. <laughs> yeah, it's a fun, that's a fun one. This one's not so fun. Uh, this one is... This one is fun in parts. I do. I think the end's fun. I think some of the beginning's fun. Uh, this one does have some fun, but mostly overall, no. Not a super fun movie. I mean, the whole lawyer cop thing, we all know 
that can just be thrown out. But what what gets me is even though I know the shootings were coming, got me because it was too early in the film in my mind. I was like, wait, we're an hour in, we're already doing this. Yeah, I also was not anticipating it to do that. I'm like, I what? There's still so much left. What could they possibly do? Yeah, I thought it was going to be like a dream or a premonition or something. And then it ended up being the actual and I was like, oh, and then I was like confused because they never really addressed them as like the DeFeos. And I never I was just very confused because it was like following that storyline, but not exactly. So I wasn't really like sure what was going on. And then, yeah, when they like shifted into the procedural section of the movie, I was just like kind of checked out. Uh, It just yeah. I mean, there's some good makeup at the end, though, with the the possession and stuff. And then when he's like the demon underneath, there's some good 80s effects there. Yeah, I like I, I like the third act. Well, I should say the second half of the third act when this turns into a uh, an exorcist movie. I like you, Adamski. I understand you. You want to dominate like your bishops and more. I can give it to you, Adamski. Sonny. If you can hear me, resist the unclean spirit. Will it to leave your body? You've decided to do this on your own, without the support of the church. You are disobeying the church. Now you are alone, Adamski. Yeah, like, he has like this weird zombie makeup, and yeah. I'm like, what is this? Very evil daddy. Yes. Very evil daddy. Yeah. One, like the pulsating neck with the veins and everything. That was cool. There was a lot of makeup when he was with the daughter that didn't look too good. But when they get to the pulsating neck and everything like that and the pulsating veins, it looks fantastic. And I was honestly trying to figure out how they made the veins all because they were so thin. I was like, how you couldn't get a condom in there. So I know you weren't using the latex condom. I'm curious if it was like, um, like, you know, those balloons, like the thin, long balloons you do for balloon animals and stuff. So maybe they had like a compression thing with like those thin tubes because then they can control how thin it was. But I don't know. See the line of the makeup where it started and ended. That that was the problem with the when he was turning into a demon with the sister coming into the room. You could see the makeup lines. Yeah, it was like a face mask, basically. Yeah, but with the pulsating veins, I, I think you're right. It was probably like a thin balloon. I never saw the lines of where skin began and then makeup started. That's movie <laughs> magic. <laughs> it didn't make overwhelming money. One thing, this is a Dino De Laurentiis problem a lot with his films. No one knows quite what the budget was. I've heard $2 million, I've heard $6 million. Uh, It's between those two, and this has a lot to do with uh, his bullshit production. This is how he does it. I mean, he ended up completely going bankrupt at one point because, hey, that's Dino. He he has a lot of the the Canon Pictures problem, where he's paying for one film on a past film. And so this one is kind of sketchy. It was shot in Mexico City, so I'm sure a lot of it was uh, paid with cash. So it's hard to trail how much the budget on this budget. They made 12.5 in the box office, but they made a killing on syndication and VHS. Really? Yeah. And I'm I'm assuming it has a lot to do with maybe they didn't make the distribution of the movie that big. Uh, but on VHS, when people were in the video store, they're like, yeah, I know the first one. I'll read the second one. 
Yeah, it's just like the name. And also like when you see the posters for it. Yeah, the posters for it, they like literally say, hey, remember the specific plot that you liked in the first one? This is the one right before that. And so everybody's probably like, hey, it's the DeFeo thing, but it just never really adds up. So you're kind of disillusioning the fans of a potential franchise by immediately pivoting. Yeah, I think this is where they shot themselves. I know the movie's gone 10, 12 movies long now, but like they shot themselves in the foot with this in that exact I think it could have been bolder. Yeah, they could or just owned it and just done mm -hmm. the DeFeo story or whatever. Like you could have your weird shit like incest and demons in it, but just do the story, you know, do that full story that people were expecting. Family, just do the next family or do the next. (laughs) Exactly. Like it's like you got to pick kind of what you're going to be. Um, and I feel like that is what kind of sent the series on the path that it eventually went on. And it could have, if the second one was one of those things you just mentioned, I think we could have had a stronger series overall, you know, it could have been more legendary. And there's also mixed signals on why they didn't use the DeFeo family name. Uh, one of them was money. They said they didn't have the rights to use the family name, oh. but in later movies, that was kind of like, no, that's not why, because they had the rights to the book. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So there are also people saying the reason they didn't use the DeFeo family is one, someone didn't like the name DeFeo, so they chose Montelli? What? Really? Why? I, I don't know. I, I, I think there's just so much bullshit in this franchise. I have like a very important question for you two. Do you think... The curse of Amityville, like not a movie, like the actual evil presence Mm -hmm. at Amityville has reached out to sabotage every other Amityville movie. (laughs) (laughs) That's not Amityville horror specific. Yes. uh, Anything that's like a spinoff side story or whatever. It's it's cursed from the beginning. Yes. Yes, I do believe in cursed films. And I do think that, yeah, like Poltergeist, this series is like, I don't want any more of this because it tells about my shit. I think so. I think you're right. Excellent. Uh, no, I, I believe in the Poltergeist curse. Uh, not in this one. I think this one's just lazy. Poltergeist at least earned its curse. <laughs> Satan's like, don't put that shitty movie on Yeah, me. he's like, I got nothing to do with Amityville for the evil escapes. <laughs> <laughs> don't fucking put that on me. Now, I fucked up Poltergeist, but not this piece of shit. He's <laughs> like, I've done a lot of things, but no, not that one. I have one question before we go in the museum. And I, I rattle this around my brain. Is Burry Young a good a good actor where he makes you feel disgusting? Or is he a disgusting actor that makes you feel gross? I don't know really anything about this man. Like I heard you you've you've been talking about him, but like I don't recognize him from Rocky. Is this who you were talking yeah, about? He's in Rocky. Yeah, I don't recognize him from that because like Rocky wasn't a huge like thing in my upbringing. I've seen it a couple times, but like I don't really remember. Um, so like, I can't speak to anything other than this character. I thought the character was fucking gross. And if he's not like that in real life, he did a great job. If he's like that in real life, fuck that guy. (laughs) I don't, yeah, he's a character. In my mind, he's a character actor. So I don't think he is this guy. I just think he... He's good at being a villain. Yeah, I just think he can play whatever he needs to play. Good guy in Rocky, villain in this, you know, whatever. Like, he could, he's just a character actor, I think. And like, he did, was doing a job. I agree with you until I started to look up his, like he was a boxer. He was a Marine. A tough guy doesn't mean that you're, you're a bad guy. And I don't think he's a bad guy. 
I'm just wondering why the fuck in his entire acting career, he goes out of his way to choose these. And I used to think he was, and I think I brought this up at the beginning. I was like, is he typecasted? But it turns out he chooses these roles. But that that could just mean that those are the easiest. Yeah, those are the easiest for him to play or most juicy to tap into. He might like doing it. He might like exposing it or calling it out. You know, it doesn't necessarily mean he is that guy. He may just play it. (laughs) I think I think he may just be into that. And also, I don't think it's like he would take the role because like he believes in it because this movie is clearly like he's the villain. He's the villain. He's a bad guy. So it's like he knows he's playing the bad guy. And if you believed in that, you wouldn't take a movie where you're the villain you would be like that's the hero right so <laughs> okay, like well i just found something out that he's still alive so we can still ask him <laughs> okay <laughs> well in case he's a, a like super aggressive dude i didn't say shit <laughs> <laughs> i yeah I, we don't know we just don't that's the thing we don't know when it comes to stuff like this well we don't know and we'll probably never know because hollywood is so tight-lipped but it's like He's a character actor, man, and they, they got to play these nasty parts sometimes, and it just sucks because then you do have people thinking, That's was he really like that? Like, or and, and, or you get typecast or whatever. It's kind of a shame, but it's like it's work, you know? And for a lot of these guys, like Burt Young and stuff, they're good at it. They're good at being character actors, so. Yeah, it's uh, that's, that's basically all I have to say about the movie. Any, anyone else? Anything else? No. Um, I mean, I know we talked a lot about the incest or whatever, but I do just want to like hit it home that like during we don't even have to talk about the sequence so much because like it's awful and uh, it's gross. But like, um, there's just so much grooming for the younger sister that he yeah. And if you ever see any behavior like this, like a sibling of somebody or an older man overtly complimenting a young girl and comparing her to others of her age and say she's woman that is so fucked up and so gross and wrong like i remember that like when i was growing up and i was little i was way taller than my age or whatever but that still didn't change the fact that i was little and like old men would compliment me constantly and that's a conversation for a bigger thing but movies like this show that like you can it can be strangers it can be someone you, trust. you literally have grown up with like you just don't know that's why you have to like make people aware of those signals those red flags no one should be talking to you like that if you are young no one yeah and i think in like this this you know this movie's icky and you don't want people to see it but then you almost do want to kind of want people to see it to like show as an example of like what grooming like yes, you're talking about yes. looks like because it looks like exactly what this older brother is doing because then here. she immediately is like well, now I'm into it because yeah, that, it, because that it, it somehow we did this thing and that fulfilled me in a new womanly way. So her only connection to becoming an adult woman is this sexual experience with her brother. So then she is completely mentally tied to that experience. Like if she would have survived this, I would love a spinoff of her fucked up life trying to navigate boundaries Mm -hmm. and like that's such an important conversation to have so yeah like this movie's icky but like it's good that it's icky because if we were like it's not that bad (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's a good exposure for sure 
how he goes into role play when he's taking the, the photography of her as if she's a supermodel or something like that. He already has the finish line outlined. He knows what he wants to get from it and playing a game like they have in the past is the perfect way to get them there. And she falls into it. Yeah. Do you want to get in the museum? Let's do it. Let's get in there. This is the second time I've had to reclaim my property from you. That belongs in a museum. So do you. This is the part of the show where we go out like Indy into the film jungle and bring something back, good or bad. Do whatever you want. Matt, I'm going to make you go first. I think for this movie, I have to put in like a negative here. And I I don't know if it comes from the script or the director, but it's just the movie kills its own momentum too many times mm-hmm. that uh, unfortunately, yeah. And it probably comes from the director because they're the ones kind of shaping the, the, the vibe of it where the writer is just kind of giving you the backbone. So, you know, I got to put the, the direction in the museum as something... Space yourself out better or or pick a focus for your movie because, yeah, this one's too all over the place. But it is unfortunate that it is because there is so much good stuff in it. And, like, we are having this conversation that, you know, a bigger, longer conversation that this movie inspired us to have. So, obviously, there's some good with it. But there's a lot of ugly with it, too. And it's like... It's good that we have this conversation, but what we're seeing, do we enjoy like watching this in this movie? Yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of like back and forth. So it's it's a kind of a torn movie, and I think that comes from the top. So uh bad directing. Alright, Ashley, what you got? Um, okay, well I just thought of something else that like is tied to what we were just talking about, but I'll put both of them in the fucking music. <laughs> you can't you can do whatever um, the fuck. What you I want. was what I was thinking of is just like chopping off that chunk of wall that has the drawing on it, because it's like the ominous message. Mm-hmm. Because I think that is a really cool image and yeah. it's <laughs> devastating because those kids get beat right after it. Right, right. Um when they just experienced a fucking haunting. Right. Um, so I think just like the image, like that's a cool thing that is like a classic horror movie thing that I do think fits well also what i want to put in there is the fucking look of what the fuck is going on from the mom after her kids have fucked and she knew it immediately oh yeah when she finds she out the daughter knew it and she looks she looks at, at the daughter first well, right? she looks at how their their body language to each other is and she was like what the fuck did you do with your brother she didn't even know yeah, fully yeah. and she knew it and i'm like that knowing mother look yeah belongs in <laughs> in a museum. Nice. Yeah. Excellent. I feel like at that time she knew something happened between the brother and the sister. But she's also feeling like she's being abused by the husband. She feels trapped because she can't divorce. I think she actually is on the verge of taking extreme action from that point. Because then she's seeing how the environment has affected her children to become pure evil. They're doing Mm. sin. They are sinning. Mm -hmm. So she's like, I got to fucking get these people out. I mean, obviously it didn't work out. (laughs) But uh, yeah, I don't know. I think that character is a complex one. But what are you putting in there? I wanted to put a positive in of this, of like latex and everything like that, or the pulsating veins, everything like that. But just like at the end of the day, I was like, I just don't like this film. So I'm going to put a negative in of, you know, you got to decide what you're going to go with because this film feels like half Amityville, uh, a little bit like CSI and then a little bit Exorcist ripoff. 
got to decide what you're going to do here because I feel like this is so two different films or three different films that like it pisses me off. So the script, the script's got to be whittled down into something that makes sense. You should just put like four different scripts in there. <laughs> well, it, it feels all over the place. It feels like in the beginning you get an Amityville movie where they're moving in the house, but you don't feel a sweet family being, mm-hmm. you know, corrupted. And then at one point, I feel like they go to the the cops arresting, and then they're describing why someone should plead, uh, you know, insanity over someone pleading, you know, like, hey, man, you can't plead that someone's possessed by a devil. And like, I, it's weird that whole instance where the cops are in the the hospital and the lawyer scenes they're so weird <laughs> it doesn't make any sense and then it goes into a complete exorcist movie where the kid is possessed by a demon and the priest is trying to rip it out of him that's exorcist that's not amityville amityville isn't i know this is just the second movie so maybe i'm going a little strong with it but amityville should be based off of the house and the horrors that were there is is changing people inside of the house once you're out of the house you should start to change yeah well i mean it it just depends on how long the pull i think it is but yeah the the further distance you have well because george is at the bar and he's freaking out but once he's broken from the trance he's fine Mm. so it's like yeah how long does it take for you to get breaking from the trance like broken from the trance good point good point yeah Yeah, i never thought about that because he went to the bar why wouldn't that break him from everything I think it was just enough for him to listen to someone with a different perspective. And that will wrap it up for this uh, week. The ending, Amityville 2, The Possession. Such a weird, fascinating film. Yeah, if you're down to get like into weird movies, like watch it and have your mind blown. But like, it's so confusing. <laughs> There's a lot to take apart here. Watch it with a friend. Yeah, it's it's just misinformed, I feel like, and misdirected. I feel like this isn't talked about much, but it's definitely weird enough to be talked about. Yeah, I I feel like, yeah, I know more of this, the more about the sequels afterwards, more than I know about this film, which is funny because it's the sec, it's the follow up. Yeah, well, it's funny that it's like kind of the one that we all hadn't seen, like even it's the we, one that got away. Yeah, because we talked about uh, or we're going to have episodes about the next couple and like. I had seen those like I had never seen this one. You guys had never seen this one like this was like uncharted territory. So it's kind of a a hidden one. But it's probably for a reason. Yeah, because it's a mess. But, you know, you you live and you learn. (laughs) You live and you learn, baby. And that's the way of the cookie crumbles. (laughs) That's the way of the cookie crumbles. (laughs) So come back next week where we go into number three, the 3D version, the movie made 14 months after. I don't know when it was made, but it came out 14 months after this one. That's quick. That's a quick turnaround. They're like, ditch the second. Let's go to the third. Let's go to a PG movie. Fuck this shit. Oh, my God. (laughs) So 3D effects everywhere. And we will have a different guest on there. But that reminds me to say, Ashley, thank you for coming on and tell them about the AF Highlights. Yeah, guys, if you want to keep listening to my voice as well as Matt's voice, so we have a podcast called The AF High List. If you haven't heard me gab about it all the time when I'm on here, um, we get super stoned and watch 
some of the most prestigious films in American film history. Uh, we're doing the 100 AFI list from 1998, and we are well in, we were like in the 50s, mm-hmm. in the 50 uh, ranking. So we've seen 50 films high. And yeah, it's a blast. Definitely check out starter episodes that all have guests, that, and Steve is a guest on our Star Wars episode, and we have a lot of other fun ones. But yeah, we're... Uh, we just love having a stoner good time and talking about movies. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. So yeah, check that out. And I can't wait for whatever you get me on here for next. <laughs> who knows? Honestly, who knows? <laughs> Anything can happen, guys. That's the fun of the Analog Jones podcast. Anything could happen. <laughs> <laughs> okay, come back next week when we talk about Amityville 3D and all the shit flying at your face. With the Jersey Ghouls, it's an entire month, basically, of the ladies' perspective. Woo! Uh, so remember to be kind. And rewind. <laughs>